This episode of Standard Orbit is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 150,000 titles for your tablet, smartphone, and desktop. Support the show and get a free audiobook of your choice by visiting audibletrial.com slash trekfm. Hey everyone, I'm Rod Roddenberry, and you're listening to Trek FM. Follow Standard Orbit, Mr. Chekhov, and take us in. Hi, sir. Is the word of Landru. Joy to you, friends, and thanks for joining us here in Standard Orbit, Trek FM's dedicated show to the original series. My name is Drew, or Landru. This is my co-host Mike from Commentary Trek Stars. Hey, how's it going? Hey, it's episode 104, so we've only got, seven. including this episode, seven, right? Seven left. I'm wow. excited. Everybody should be excited. We've got some good stuff lined up. Yeah, we do. Be- before we-, we get into this week's good stuff that we have lined up. Um, I just wanted to touch on something, you know, a little bit of sad news. Uh, this week, Howard A. Anderson Jr. passed away. Howard A. Anderson Jr., for those of you who don't know, which I'm assuming is pretty much everyone, right? He is the, uh, he's, he's a visual effects uh, artist who worked on a million things um, over the years and he is actually the very first Star Trek visual effects creator. He is the oh. guy who did the uh, uh, effects for the cage and where no man has gone before. And um, I don't know if he worked on the entire show or um, just uh, they used his effects, you know, like in the opening credit sequence or whatever. But he, you know, he's credited throughout Star Trek and um yeah he's kind of a, a legend in in the field i guess he got the job because his company uh had worked on creating the uh the shape of the heart for the i love lucy logo <laughs> and because of that's that a, that's something to be famous for right so but hey that got him the job they're like you're really good at hearts how are you with spaceships, you know? So they <laughs> that got him the job on Star Trek. And, you know, he worked on the cage and where no man has gone before. It says that uh, his company's uh, contributions to the series included exterior shots of the USS Enterprise speeding through the stars and the effects associated with the phaser beam weapons and the ship's transporter. So there you go. Uh, you know, other things that, that his company did... Um, White Zombie, the first zombie movie with, uh, I think it's Bela Lugosi. And then they did like a lot of opening title sequences for for shows, including The Addams Family, The Andy Griffith Show, Get Smart, The Mod Squad, The Twilight Zone, Mission Impossible, Brady Bunch, and Cheers. So, yeah, kind of crazy. Oh, yeah. And he also got nominated for an Oscar. So there you go. Um, he, he passed away this week and just thought, you know, it should be acknowledged. So, you know, dig, dig out, dig out your, uh, your, your DVDs and your Blu-rays and check out, uh, the cage with the original effects since you can't see his work on Netflix anymore. And, uh, you know, take a look at what he did. See what that first, that first Star Trek, uh, visual effects artist did. See those original transporter effects which i guess would be in the uh remastered still yeah. right so okay you can still watch those i guess but you can't see his his, his starship <laughs> flying around no. so so go ahead and uh and, and check that out and uh you know um salute howard a anderson jr all right so well, thanks for that mike no problem um so let's talk about this week's subject which is Okay. Now, okay. when we started this thing, you were like, "Hey, you want to do to talk about the the original series with me?" And I'm like, "Sure." And you know, it, it was like, "Well, true." You know, he's the original series editor. He's he's you know, obviously a big fan of all of them. Has you know, rather encyclopedic knowledge of of the franchise in the original series and, and everything like that. And it's like. Yeah, that's great. And and in talking to you, it's like, yeah, and then there's like the animated series, which is definitely part of it and everything, and that's cool. And you said something like, 
I haven't seen the animated series. <laughs> and I'm like, what? And you're like, yeah, no, I just, you know, I'm watching Deep Space Nine. What do you want me to watch? The original series <laughs> or Deep Space Nine? And I said, well, Deep Space Nine, but you got to get to the animated series. That's part of this. So it became a thing. It's like, before we leave, you've got to finish the animated series if for no other reason, so that you can say that you've seen every original series episode in every incarnation. And uh, that time has come. You've finished it. Mm-hmm. And now the world wants to know what you think about the animated series. So? I think it is amazing. Not the series itself but what it represents like sure there was a real ghostbusters cartoon in the 80s and uh, and 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 all kinds of you know the adams family cartoons and stuff like that but they managed to convince most of the original cast to once you sit around pretend to be your characters again and we'll put it on a we'll put it on saturday morning cartoons and you wouldn't expect it to work at all and it doesn't really kind of work most of the time but it won an emmy it beat out captain kangaroo yeah for for a children's emmy it's it has some interesting episodes and it has a lot of not interesting episodes and some are interesting for better reasons than other episodes are um but i i don't know if i'd watch it again but if you haven't seen it i would suggest you I mean, you kind of have to, like you said to me, you, you kind of have to. If, you, if you're going to be an original series fan, you got to watch all the uh, original series crew doing stuff. It's part of the canon, if it you ask me, even though officially it's not. That's crazy, you know. They yeah, reference it in other uh, in other Star Trek things. Yeah, it, it it established like Amanda's last name and Kirk's middle name and all kinds of random stuff. You know, we just had uh, here a crossover plug. And just just last week, we had Eric Stillwell on uh, commentary Trek Stars, mm-hmm. and um, you know he he worked on Next Generation for like almost the entire run, and you know working his way up from a production assistant through script coordinator and everything. And he was telling us all these stories, and one of the things that he told us was about how like he was like sort of one of the resident Star Trek fans working on the show. (laughs) And like when Jerry Taylor came onto the show, she would, you know, really kind of like utilize his knowledge of Star Trek. And when she was writing Unification, the uh, two-parter with Spock, she was, you know, writing stuff about Sarek telling, you know, Picard about uh, Spock's backstory, you know, as a child and everything. And Eric said to her, like, well, you know, there's this episode of the animated series. <laughs> and she incorporated a bunch of that stuff into unification, you know? So wow. come on, that's totally canon, right? I mean, which is great. Yeah. But anyway, I mean, I, I don't know. Yes, I, I think it's ridiculous to say that it's not canon. There's nothing which contradicts anything. And yet there's a bunch of stuff. I mean, in Enterprise, they deal with a bunch of things. You get to see, you know, the the big vulcan dog thing and all that stuff yeah so okay had you seen any of this before going on your 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 journey no until we did the episode on yesteryear way back in the beginning uh, i'd never seen it it never really crossed my mind like sure i grew up with the with the star trek encyclopedia and i think it mentions it but it never really hit me you know oh star trek cartoon but then you know the the more that we got into this era uh, the current era that we're in and we're just like we need more star trek and i'm like a star trek cartoon would be cool and then you know i have to be reminded you know we had that once yeah and and so it's kind of like surreal like really and then when you watch it you understand why people kind of keep it on the back burner but uh i mean it's still there it's still real and it's kind of like a, a a dream You've got to see it to believe it, to believe that it exists. Yeah, that was kind of the reaction that I had. I mean, my first exposure to it was through um, the the Star Trek compendium. You know, they they did a full section on on the animated series, just a, just like they did on the original series. You know, every episode, just like an episode guide. 
kind of thing, very similar to the Next Generation Companion and the Deep Space Nine Companion. And um, yeah, so I could see, I could read about all of the episodes that they did, but it's like, where are you going to find those? And it was about a year, uh, well, I'm going to say like two years into my, my Star Trek fandom that the Sci-Fi Channel started airing them on Saturday mornings. <laughs> really? Yeah, they did. I remember it was right before I started high school. And um, I so I, I had a chance to watch them in sort of their purest form. So were they, were they on like before Mystery Science Theater or something? Or were those, or was Mystery Science Theater on Sunday mornings? I forget now. Uh, the, well, <laughs> at this point, I think Mystery Science Theater was still on Comedy Central. Oh, yeah. We're talking... A while ago. Yeah, this would have been um, the fall of 94. A while ago, we talk about, and everybody, yeah. most of our listeners hate us. <laughs> you know, whatever. It, 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 Time it is, is what, what it, it is. is. Yeah. Uh, so, so yeah, you know, it's it's it was one of those things where, I mean, I think like you, I, I mean, you hear like, well, all those people are coming back. You know that's that's amazing. They and then you know later on you you sort of investigate and you see that like all of the writers were coming back too. I mean, DC Fontana was the showrunner for that series, you know, mm-hmm. and it's like oh my god. And then you watch it, and the thing that that really kind of struck me, and the thing that I kind of loved about it was, is very much representative of animated television from that era. You know, mm-hmm. it feels like a Saturday morning cartoon from the 70s, just Star Trek. It's like if someone said, like, what if Star Trek was an animated show in the 70s, a Saturday morning cartoon? What would it be like? Well, this is it, the parody you would create. It would be exactly like this, you know, which I think is kind of amazing. I mean, it's just like this weird anomaly in the franchise. And I love that. I love that it's like. You know, Star Trek can be a lot of things, and this is one of them, and it does it perfectly. And that that's that's one of the reasons why, you know, anytime someone says, like, I really love it, but the animation just, oh, I wish they, I wish someone would take these scripts and, and that and take the soundtrack and reanimate it. I'm like, you are absolutely insane. No, no, <laughs> keep that. This the, the, the reason why it's so fascinating is because it is a time capsule, you know? It completely is representative of this thing. And if it were just like a CGI version of that, I'd be like, what is this? This doesn't even make any sense, you know? You- you know, so I watched the first half of the series before we talked about it. Uh, I forget exactly when we talked about it. We had the discussion about, you know, I'd love to see these plots with updated effects and stuff. Yeah. But when I watched the second half, uh, I started watching it from uh, from your point of view. Like, well, let's see, you know, what Mike thinks. And, you know, I, th- I think you are right. I think that, that taking away the animation from this would... Uh, be detrimental and uh because these plots with with decent animation it, it they kind of go hand in hand because you can't take the plot seriously you can't take the animation seriously if you tried to take one or the other seriously uh it would just fall apart i mean people criticize the animation and you know t- talk about how it's it's not good and, and stuff like that and i do not agree with that I think the animation in this movie is, or in this show, is fantastic. You know, it's extremely simplistic. It's extremely low budget. People say it's lazy or whatever. I say that it is an aesthetic choice, which totally works. You know, I, I don't, I don't, I don't understand. I mean, I, I don't know. It's, it's really hard. But to, I mean, yeah, it, is is it the gold standard even of the time? No, you know, I mean, certainly on a technical level, it has problems. But I think what it creates, you know, it's sort of like the same thing as like you know, watching a a, a grindhouse movie or something, where you know you're using like a practical effects or whatever and 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 everything, and it's not super slick or whatever, but the effect that it creates is perfect 
And I don't really want it to create any other effect. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's I'm 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 a big fan of, of the of the look of this show and I will defend it to the day <laughs> I die, you know? It's it's weird. I mean, like, because we were, I was thinking about this because, again, on commentary, Trek stars, we were talking about uh, Psycho, and uh, there's, you know, the script for for the original Psycho was written by Joseph Stefano, Star Trek writer, and then in 1998, Gus Van Sant directed a remake where they used Joseph Stefano's script, original script, and uh, did a shot for shot remake, but you know. 28 years later and it's like everyone was like why do they do that or 38 years later everyone you know was was saying like why do they do that what's the point and to me like that was always sort of like this experiment in like aesthetics and taking like a script with you know and 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 with dialogue which is you know where people are talking in a certain way because it's of a certain time and the visual language is of a certain time and sort of applying that to the modern day and like what do you get and it's it's a really weird thing because it's like modern technology but with like a, a sort of like an outdated or a other timely like aesthetic and that to me is what it would be if you updated the animation here, like if you just did, you know, like what people are saying, take the the soundtrack and apply like new CGI to it, it would be this weird jarring thing. And I, I don't think that your brain would respond to it because the sound wouldn't match the visuals, you know? It, it'd be like seeing Vince Vaughn as Captain Kirk. Exactly. Yeah. Which I would like to see, I guess, come to think of it. But yeah, you know, it's, it's, it would be bizarre. It's so, I don't know. Yeah. I, but that to me, like, that's, and that's the thing, like, the opening title sequence of the animated series, I think is straight up the most amazing thing ever. It's like, really cool, actually. I, I, I just, I'll, I'll just like watch that on a loop, you know? It's so great. And, and it's, it's like one of those things where, you know, um, I, I really love that yesteryear is so good. Because it gives me an episode that I can, you know, just sort of like legitimately say like, this is something which I can revisit whenever I need to. And it allows me to to get my, my fix of, of all that stuff that the animated series has that I love. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, okay. So, so we talked about, you know, the visuals and everything. And I mean, you, 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 so you, you like the animation as it is for its I'm, thing. Right. I'm not going to say that I like the animation, but I, I, I appreciate it as the the time capsule it is. I love how we have these these debates. Uh, you're all over the network complaining about it, but no one's actually ever tried to do it. <laughs> so it's like, Yeah. It's yeah. not like CBS is just like, you want a Star Trek cartoon? We got a Star Trek cartoon. It's right here. We just put new animation in it and we win. I mean, no one's actually going to do that. I think CBS knows it wouldn't work. But I do totally think that one of these fan film things could do the opposite and, and you know, write new stories and take the old animation and Isn't make... Isn't there an animated Farragut series? I think there might be, yeah. I think there is, where they, yeah. they take that animation style. Uh, so they're, they're kind of on the right track. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it, it it's an interesting thing. It's an interesting problem. I uh, So, okay... What did you think about the uh, the writing? The writing. You can tell a lot of times where they're like trying to say something. Uh, you know, not and it's it's rarely anything, you know, obvious like, uh, well, I guess it is. It's not like let that be your last battlefield kind of obvious. But uh, you do get some stuff where they they try to go deep there's a couple times where they think that they hit it but then there's times where you wonder what they were smoking mm-hmm. like some of the episodes just don't make any sense logically with within even themselves let alone like the next weapon or that sorry I was thinking of the slaver weapon the next episode to the episode before it you know the technology changes wildly uh, in Practical Joker, 
you know, people get stuck in a holodeck. It's like, where'd that come from? <laughs> well, I, yeah, I think a lot of it probably does go back to sort of the same thing that the original series kind of, I wouldn't say suffered from, but, you know, uh, experienced or whatever, where it is like an anthology show in a lot of ways. You know, you mm-hmm. don't have someone who's like, you know, kind of minding the continuity store or whatever it is. You know what I mean? It's more about telling these cool stories on a week-to-week basis. And, you know, this may be more so. I don't know. But, yeah, I, I guess I don't really see it as being tremendously different from the original series in that respect. You know? I, I think there's a little more stability in the original series. I mean, because yeah. they can do so much with the animation. Mm-hmm. You know, like Infinite Vulcan. Where it's like, oh, we made a 50-foot-tall Vulcan for some reason, and yeah. he just lives on this planet. I mean, and if we think that's canon, there's a 50-foot Vulcan out there somewhere in the uh, Next Generation era. Hell yeah, there is. Oh, <laughs> uh, See, yeah. you don't need to worry about about Spock falling into a wormhole and getting sucked into an alternate dimension. You have another one. Yeah. He's yeah. just 50 feet tall. Yeah. And you could even get him close to the wormhole and it wouldn't even matter because he wouldn't fit. He wouldn't fit <laughs> yeah. But uh, there there are some highlights. I like that a lot of the episodes are sequels. Mm-hmm. Uh, like More Troubles, More Tri- more Tribbles, More Troubles, uh, Once Upon a Planet, Mud's Passion, uh, and, you know, like recurring characters, like, it's Kang, right? I think that appears in one of the episodes. I think so. One of those Klingons, yeah. And so we got some continuity. We've got recurring villains. We've got you know special guest stars like Mark Leonard in Yesteryear and the guy who played Harry Mudd in Mudd's Passion. And it it's cool. And there's some there's some stuff like those sequel episodes. I, I would recommend, uh, you know, just to to catch up on. Uh, you know the sequel to some of your favorite episodes right so as a big fan of i mud what did you think of mud's passion i i mean we did the commentary on it yeah yeah and uh i, I appreciated it a lot mostly just because it was more mud and it was just as sexist as it should have been <laughs> like when they give the drugs to kirk and spock and you know everybody else gets romantic feelings unless you're both male then there's no <laughs> romantic feelings at all period yeah. Yep. Yep. Oh, the seventies. <laughs> or Saturday morning. Yeah, I mean, Saturday morning. Until Cushman TV. finishes his book, you know, it may we may find out that the original script was about slash fiction. Yeah. Yeah. You never know, right? Yeah. Okay. So you you like so you liked Mud's passion. Um, you liked more trouble, more tribbles, more trouble. More tribbles, more troubles. More tribbles, more troubles. It's all right. Uh, I think my biggest surprise, uh, The Survivor, for some reason I really liked that. Uh, It's the one where there's a shapeshifter pretending to be, is it another one of Chapel's fiancés? (laughs) (laughs) I can't even remember. No, no, no. It's another random character. Okay. All right. Whose fiancé, they find him still alive. It turns out that it's a, a, he's a shapeshifting alien. And I don't know, it's it, it's kind of, there were some twists and things that I didn't expect from a cartoon in that particular episode. But I think that, now here we go, favorite versus best again, right? Mm-hmm. So the best episode is Yesteryear, without a doubt. Yes. My favorite episode is The Magics of Megas 2. Uh-huh. Because it's just so insane. Mm-hmm. That this was, and and this is where you have to look at it as the time capsule. You have to know that this aired... October 27th, 1973. So uh, just Halloween. over 42 years ago on 10:27, which is Saturday morning, they had an episode where Kirk and Spock meet the devil. Spock mm-hmm. draws a pentagram on the floor uh-huh. and uses magic powers. And then a bunch of uh, uh, people dressed as Puritans uh, examine all of the uh, reel-to-reel films in the Enterprise logs, and Kirk uh, saves the devil from being put to death. And it's just, it's, I don't, I don't know. It just doesn't make any <laughs> sense. 
And I'd not, what's funny is that I'd not seen this episode before I heard the We Hate Movies episode that they did. They've got an animation damnation uh, side podcast that they do. And they did Magic's of Megas too. And I'm just like listening to them like, what? That's not a real thing. This is not a real thing. This is not part of my, my, my show, is it? But it turns out it was, and it's even better than, than the insanity that they described. Yeah, it's pretty great. I, I, I love whenever things get crazy, and you just look at it like, how, how is this actually something which exists? You know, that's right. the best. You have when... to see it. You can't believe it. The things that I told you is a thing that happened. You know, yeah. Litter Nimoy and William Shatner talk about, well, we've got to use magic in order to, you know, help our friend Lucian, who may or may not be the devil. It's like, what? <laughs> How much did you pay them? Because it wasn't nearly enough. Yep. Yep. It, it's it, it did some crazy stuff. I mean, the, the one that always sort of stuck out to me was the one where they uh, get captured by the giant slugs Mm -hmm. and put into like the zoo yeah that one's a that one's a weird one i mean i remember i remember watching that because they had a few at the um at the at the blockbuster near my house you know so i rented the the ones that i had and um or the ones that they had and I remember watching that with my cousin and there's like that scene where you see the slugs and they're like purring or something like that. And Kirk's like, Spock, what are they doing? And Spock says, Captain, I think they're laughing at us. (laughs) We just thought that was the funniest thing ever. We just thought that was the best thing ever. But, you know, I mean, hey, it's it's a it's kind of a a cool episode and it has like a Star Trek message and, and everything like that. So that one's always a standout to me. And what about the one with uh, Robert April? Doesn't he show up? Yeah, he shows up. He shows up in the series finale, the counterclock incident, where uh, him and his wife are super old and they're going to retire. And then something happens where everybody grows younger. So April is still an adult and everybody else are toddlers. Yeah. Yeah. So he saves the ship. And that one's a weird one. It's a better series finale than uh, Turnabout Intruder, but uh, not not very good. <laughs> okay, so um, on the whole, t- you 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 take you take the whole animated series. This is going to be a two part question. You take the whole animated series and you look at it, and what are what are some conclusions that you draw? What are what do you what do you have to say if someone's like, what's this animated series? What what do, what do you say to them? Well, I like your your time capsule description. It's it's bizarre, but it's worth watching. There's only 22 episodes. They're, you know, 20 minutes long a piece. You don't really have to pay attention. There's a lot of repeated animations, you know, kind of Scooby-Doo running down the hallway kind of stuff. So you don't really have to pay attention to get the 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 story from it because a lot of it is filler and uh yeah, I would I would recommend that everybody watch it. It's available on all of their local streaming things and on DVD and Laserdisc and yeah, yeah, I have that Laserdisc. Okay, so now part two, you have now officially seen everything from the original series, mm-hmm. all of it, all 110 episodes. So, what do you think about the whole thing? Has this changed oh. your opinion of Star Trek at all? I mean. What does it feel like to have seen all 110 adventures? Well, I feel bad because I haven't seen haven't seen everything Star Trek related, but but you've seen everything original, but series everything related. original series related. Yeah. yeah, I I feel like I'm finally ready to host a, a an original series podcast. Excellent, excellent. <laughs> so uh, I guess I guess we're gonna push for a renewal. No, I'm kidding. Uh, I it it feels good. I I feel accomplished. Like when I fi- finish a series, any series, even if it's like four episodes long, I'm like, yeah, I did it. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and to finally put this put this to bed and finally seeing all the original series stuff, uh, it feels amazing, and I'm glad that I did it. Yeah, no, there really is that sort of like sense of accomplishment, you know. I mean, like, I, even when you finish a season, sometimes you know, it's just like, oh, good, that's over. 
you know, I mean, I know, which is kind of like a weird thing to say, you know, but there's lots of times where like, I'll see like shows that are like on the bubble or something like that. Mm -hmm. And like shows that I watch and people will be like, no, I was hoping it would get a season 10. (laughs) And it's like, really? Because I mean, I'm ready to just move on. You know what I mean? Like even the very best shows, you know, like when they said Battlestar Galactica's ending, I'm like, good. I'm looking forward to seeing the end. You know what I mean? Right. But I don't know. It's it's a weird thing with with TV. It it's it feels like a marathon and when you get to the end you just sort of go like that was very rewarding and now I'm ready to collapse, you know? Yeah. It's not like there's a lack of content out there. Yeah. Yeah, there's so there's too many TV shows out there that that I need to watch. <laughs> I know that was something that you were talking about, right? You were like, well, I'm trying to get through Clone Wars, but I need to watch this animated series first. Mm. Yeah. And I ended up getting through Clone Wars and even watching the half-completed episodes that are still canon. And you yeah. know, I what I realized earlier in this episode is that it reminded me of the animated series. It was yeah. well voice acted. The plots were decent, but the animation was just awful. Nobody's lips moved. People didn't move when they were supposed to. They kind of just slid across the floor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Eh? Yeah. Didn't they do... I don't know. It's... I, I I have a bit of a problem with those things being canon because it's like, what else is out there? You know, I mean, they keep <laughs> on... Do you know how many times The Clone Wars has ended? Do you know how many times I've watched the last episode of The Clone <laughs> Wars or I've read the last episode of The Clone Wars? And they're not done yet, you know? And it's just like, God, put this thing to bed. No, there's a show which went on for too long, you know? And I, I love the Clone Wars. I I really like the Clone Wars. <laughs> and I, I thought it got better as it went along, right? Mm-hmm. But you're talking about a three-year period of time. And people are like damn, I, I really wish it would have gotten a season seven. It really needed like seven seasons to tell that story. It's like, no, it didn't. Because <laughs> I don't know if you've seen that show, but there's a lot of that show which doesn't need to be there. You know, you can totally cut out like a good a half of those. Like if we were to do, you know, what we did here and, yeah. you know, take it or leave it, whatever, you could leave like half of those episodes. That's entirely easily, true. Easily, easily. So, you know, I mean, that was just bad planning on their part. There's no reason for them to have seven seven seasons of that show. Man, now I want a Clone Wars series. A a Clone Clone Wars Wars. podcast. Yeah, well, we should do our, our, you know, should I read this? It's canon. Right, yeah. (laughs) I still like the other one titled better, but that's not important right now. F you, it's canon. Yes, yeah, it just doesn't make a lot of sense. I like it. I like it too. It's just it doesn't make a lot of sense, but <laughs> it rolls off the tongue better. Yeah, that's know? true. That's true. Yeah, uh, but yeah, no, I mean, yeah, let's do that. Let's do that show. Let's do that show. We'll see. What I mean, it's it's at this point, you know, because like the thing about Star Trek shows, you know, getting getting a little like. <laughs> introspective here the thing about star trek podcasts and like the reason why you can have an entire network on star trek and everything is because there's so much of it you know 700 episodes and all that stuff but it's like they're not making anything new you know whereas like star wars has got new stuff coming out like on a weekly basis you know Mm -hmm. like it's it's would actually be easier now to do a star wars podcast than it would be to do a star trek podcast you know what I mean? Obviously. It's crazy. Looks over at 602 Club. <laughs> the world we're living in, you know? I, I, yeah, I don't it's know. strange. Yeah. yeah. Well, there was we our, do... our weekly divergence into Star Wars. <laughs> so, Clone Wars. Yes or no? Wait, sorry. No. Animated <laughs> series. That's what we're talking about. Star Trek. Yeah, we should do we should do a take it or leave it for the for the animated series. But I think we did that before before you know, I sort of touched on it and said, and I'm like, take yesteryear, leave everything else. Are there any more that you would say we should include? Not really. I mean, none of it really taught. None of it's necessary. And I think with the with the 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 idea that we had, which was you know, less is more. I, I think the conciseness of just having yesteryear to get that kind of backstory. Because the sequel episodes, while I said that they were 
you know, worth watching. I, they're not necessary for like, oh, yes, that, you know, the Tribbles in More Tribbles, More Troubles, you know, explains why they're, you know, wiped out by the 24th century and, you know, in Deep Space Nine era. And it's like, no, no, it's just, and they're pink and because the Hal Sutherland was colorblind. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, cool. Yeah. So, so the animated series, you got that out of your system. It's all good. It's all good. You can now sleep at night knowing that you've seen all of the original series. <laughs> I'm happy for you. Yeah. I'm happy for me too. Well, it's fun talking about cartoons of various types today, but that's just one of the Trek topics we've been talking about on Trek FM this week. Here's a quick look at what you may have missed elsewhere on the network. Previously on Trek.fm, Standard Orbit. Yeah, he can edit the crap out of a movie. Literally. Like, that's actually <laughs> how he got the job on uh, for Nemesis, is he edited the crap out of uh, Lara Croft, Tomb Raider, and Mission Impossible 2. And they're like, thanks, Stuart Baird. Earl Grey. Oh, by the way, six hours in. If you press shift, you'll run throughout the whole game. <laughs> press shift when your characters are moving. And they'll actually move at a reasonable Reasonable. <laughs> the orb. If he had like a game card, his power, you know, like would be higher yeah. than any other captain for the, their persuasion power. You'll be like, damn, I was winning. And then he went and played a Cisco card on me. The ready room. Someone pointed out that this is actually the shortest title of any Star Trek episode it's shorter than Voyager's Q squared by half a character because the two is superscript. <laughs> We're number one. We're number one. <laughs> to the journey. It's fake intimacy. Thank you. It is them trying to say Chakotay knows Janeway so well that just by fiddling her com badge, he knows the crap's going to hit the fan. Commentary, Trek Stars. Lost World's a terrible movie. I haven't seen Jurassic World, though. The 602 Club. We wake up in the middle of the night, and I pop back in episode five, and I watch it again. Like, there's something about this movie that from even then, you know, I'd seen them all. It's all clean slate. This one was already my favorite. Literary Treks. It definitely starts in a very dark place, and it doesn't get much brighter at all, uh, you know, until we until we get to the end, and, and, you know, there's some hope there. But, yeah, definitely, it's, it's a dark book. Women at Warp. There were no, oh, you're a girl, so you can't do that. It's like, well, you know what? You used to hang out with the Kardashians, or the Klingons, so... Let's see what that would look like. Why don't you try that on for a while? And introducing Metatrex. If you're commander of a starship, a thousand choices are going to uh, confront you in the course of, of your day in, in the captain's chair, and you just can't ignore them. So asking ourselves whether we really have free will is just a meaningless question on that view. I personally would like to be confronted with the choice to warp to Ryza, just saying. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. So check out these shows and get in on the Daily Trek Talk. You find them on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or you can just stream from the website. Visit trek.fm slash podcast to get all the links. We got a message from Greg in California. He said, hey guys, I mentioned this on Twitter, but I wanted to expand on it. And this was the way that was suggested. I love that the podcasts are released early via Patron Zone. And your podcast with John Tenuto that will be released next week, which is last week, which is... It's been a while since Mike and I recorded. <laughs> Uh, it might be your best. Like I mentioned in the Babel conference, I find your podcast historical, which I originally thought he said hysterical. And I was like, yeah, that's great. Oh, historical. <laughs> that's also good. Uh, what was it that other review said? Something if not informative? <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> I forget what it was. Yeah. Uh, something like that. Entertaining if not informative. That's it. And it was always fun when you had Mark Cushman or John Tenuto on or any of the other guests who brought historical wisdom to life with only one Star Trek show. 
This podcast, though, was great because it filled in the gaps of time between when Star Trek was canceled to the motion picture. I kind of see similarities between then and now. Then you had ideas for Trek, like The God Thing or Rise of the Titans, and now you have ideas for Trek, mainly through fan films and trying to push networks to get a Trek series back on. Still, when John was talking about The God Thing or Titans, I kept wondering what series like those would be like. Would an idea of Trek series with no Kirk, thus Spock being the main character, work? It sounded like a neat premise, but something that would have absolutely taken Trek in a direction it ended up not going in. It probably would have been better than the motion picture. I always find it interesting how they wanted a Trek film in response to Star Wars, but it seemed like the Trek film we got was more in response to 2001 A Space Odyssey. Thanks for bringing out the big guns for these final 10 episodes, Mike and Drew. They've been great so far and really represent the kind of podcast you guys brought. Hopefully one of the final episodes is a commentary on a really popular episode like Sitting on the Edge of Forever. But no matter what, you guys re- did a really good job with the show, even though sometimes I wondered if you were ever going to talk about the actual original series again. Keep up the great work in the final seven, and thanks for releasing this episode early for patrons. Cheers, Greg. Well, thanks, Greg. Um, yeah, I, I think that it's it's quite possible that one of our final episodes will be a commentary on the city on the edge of forever mm-hmm. that's spoilers <laughs> glad we didn't pick yeah. the same episode <laughs> what was that i'm glad we didn't pick the same episode <laughs> but uh yeah you know i mean I, I i think that that's pretty cool you know i i like the idea that we're historical you know because it's hard i mean what what do we what do we have to say about this show that anyone else hasn't said or can't say exactly you know that's why we bring in these other people who have studied the original people who were yeah. there yeah and you know maybe even even if we can't personally bring like a new perspective to the show for people you know maybe our show can do that by placing it in in a certain context you know so yeah i appreciate that for sure yeah it's been fun doing all that yeah yeah we've learned a lot too i think yeah made a lot of good friends it's beautiful yeah yeah well if you'd like to be our friend and contact us you can uh go to trek.fm slash contact there's a form there choose send a show and choose standard orbit that'll come to both of us by email you can also use a tab in the left-hand column of any page to send us a voicemail using webcam's microphone, and you can talk to us and our other listeners at our Facebook group, The Babel Conference. In social media, you'll find our Facebook page at facebook.com slash trek.fm, and on Twitter, under username trek.fm. Mike, where can people find you out of orbit? You can find me right here on trek.fm doing uh, commentary Trek stars. Uh, we just did an episode, like I was saying, where we talked to Eric Stilwell, who uh, was the co-writer of Yesterday's Enterprise, and we talked to him about his uh, work on Star Trek. It's very interesting. Um, if you want to hear a great story about how like a lifelong fan got like a dream job, you know, working on Next Generation, getting to see everything firsthand, you know, being there, helping put it together. I mean, that's pretty amazing. There's also this amazing story that he tells about how he was the guy who needed to find all of the clips to put together Shades of Grey. Oh, my God. And that episode was such a disaster in terms of, like, there being no script and everything that they didn't even have a title for it. And they were like, what should we call it? And he's the one who actually named it Shades of Grey. (laughs) But the original title, which he almost got them to go for was Riker's brain. No. Yes. <laughs> oh, God. He said he almost got him to go for it. And then at the last minute, someone realized and was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to call it that forever. I know, right? <laughs> so if you want to hear that story and more, uh, be sure to check out Commentary Trek Stars. And then this week we are um, getting into uh, our final season where we're going to be focusing on, you know, kind of a, a TOS theme for for the for the last season, where we're going to be looking at the creators who are working on Star Trek Beyond, the new creators of Star Trek, and uh, taking a look at all of the stuff that they've done prior to to this, and and uh, and what what we can expect to to see from Beyond based on their other work, 
and we're we're starting off, you know, uh, with 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 the big guns, Simon Pegg, uh, talking about his work as a, as a writer. So be sure to check that out. And then you can also find me on CommentaryTrackStars.com, where I do Commentary Track Star Babies. And you can find me on uh, Twitter at Mumbles3K. And you can find me on Twitter at 005, D-U-B-L-E-O-F-I-V-E, and in various other places around the network, including maybe a couple of those Simon Pegg episodes. Yeah. Well, before we go, we like to ask everyone to please support our sponsor who helps bring Standard Orbit to you each week, and our sponsor for this show is Audible.com. Audible's a great way for you to read all the books you've always wanted to read but never thought you'd have time for. Audible's the premier source for audiobooks with more than 150,000 titles to choose from and new titles coming every week. From classics to current bestsellers and even some of the most famous Star Trek books like Prime Directive and Federation, Audible has something for everyone. Mike, what did you find for everyone? Well, since we were talking about Vulcans and Spock's past, I thought maybe we could look at Spock's future with Star Trek Exodus, the Vulcan Soul Trilogy, Book 1, which was written by Josepha Sherman and Susan Schwartz, narrated by Boyd Gaines. It's three hours and 44 minutes long. They say, following their bestsellers, Vulcan's Forge and Vulcan's Heart, Josepha Sherman and Susan Schwartz embark on a new trilogy chronicling the latter-day adventures of one of Star Trek's most beloved characters, shedding new light on his world's shocking history. One year after the end of the Dominion War, the Romulan Star Empire comes under attack by a mysterious and alarmingly powerful enemy calling itself the Watrai a species with a long-standing vendetta against the Romulans. Yet, though they remain tenuously allied, the Federation, the Romulans, and the Klingons are unready to become embroiled in another sustained conflict, forcing Ambassador Spock, Admiral Uhura, Admiral Chekhov, and Captain Savick, and some unexpected allies, to defy their governments in order to meet the new threat head-on. But, the first blood drawn may prove to be among the dearest of all. That's the longest description book... ever. Oh, uh, you know, whatever. <laughs> well, you can get this book for free uh, since you uh, listen to Standard Orbit and Trek FM. That's right. As a Trek FM listener, you can get a free audiobook of your choice along with a 30-day trial just to see how great Audible is. So give it a try today. Catch up on all those classic Star Trek books you get to read and that latest novel from your favorite author as well. Just go to audibletrial.com slash trekfm and sign up today. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash trekfm. We thank Audible for supporting Standard Orbit and Trek FM. We'd also like to thank Richard Rutledge Jr. and Renee Roberts for being our associate producers this week by supporting us on Patreon. You can find Richard on Twitter at RUT8972 and Renee at MRES underscore 1701. And if you want to help them keep us in orbit, you can also support us on Patreon. If you go to patreon.com slash trekfm, you'll find a list of donation levels where you get things like exclusive digital goodies, early access to episodes, access to our project manager, and even be listed as associate producer for our shows. And we've, like, upgraded this thing. Chris bought a new domain name, so we've got patron.zone. And, you know, you can get wallpapers and early episodes, like, weeks early. Like, that John Tenuto thing was, like, two weeks early. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this one you're not getting early. No, unfortunately. Because not. we're recording it uh, like 22 hours before it's coming out. <laughs> but, you <A> know. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, there's there's plenty of stuff. I mean, it's huge. There's going to be like an app and stuff or something. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, I, I've it, used this app for We Hate Movies. Actually, that's the only place you can get the uh, the Magics of Megas 2 episode of theirs. Let's see. Let's see. So, I mean, yeah, we're... We're we're definitely uh, going to be uh, hooking you up with some uh, patron exclusives oh, yeah. here. And it's going to be cool. Yeah, and you know, hey, I mean, that's that's at like you know one of the lowest levels, like two dollars a month or something like that, right? Yeah, it's it's going to be it's worth it. Totally, totally. And we've been upgrading stuff behind the scenes, so there's. I mean, we're putting your money to good use. It's. I don't know about you, Mike, but it's a lot easier for me to publish shows now. It's slightly easier for me to publish shows now. <laughs> don't know what your problem is. If you want to find out how hard it is, you can go to <laughs> patreon.com slash trekfm. You can also find out where the donations can go, like making our, our publishing job easier and hiring publishers and editors and uh, upgrading our equipment. 
So uh, again, that's patreon.com slash trekfm. So check it out. So next week, Mike has lined up for us the coolest. I'm super excited about this, you guys. I am too. Who did you get us? Well, since we've, uh, from the very beginning of this show, been going through the Star Trek ongoing series, uh, talking about uh, comparing and contrasting you know, the, the adaptations to their original series counterparts, and since we reached the end of that journey, we thought that it would be great if we brought on the writer and the editor of that series, Mike Johnson and Sarah Gatos, to talk to us about their process. So next week, uh, we'll be talking to them about Star Trek Ongoing and and the original series and and, uh, doing those adaptations. So should be pretty great. I have so many questions. Me too. I'm like, how do we, you know, whittle this down to a manageable... How did Landrew change? How is Landrew a doctor? (laughs) It doesn't make any sense. Ooh, 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 I've got a good one. I want to ask him if where they think the split is if they do agree that the split is nero because they they 100% have to not believe that it'll be interesting to see i'm i'm very i'm very curious about stuff like that for sure all right well that that's next week don't get too excited yet no 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 yeah hold your contain your excitement yes so uh, uh everybody thanks for listening have a good week and keep on trekking it is the will of landrew Mr. Chekhov, take us out of orbit ahead, walk factor one. Hi, sir.